Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Boba Talk, a podcast about boba with a side of life, half sweet. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Monica. Today, we will be reviewing N7 Draft Tea and Coffee. On today's episode, Monica and I are continuing the trend of badass Asian American women. Our special guest today is Kendra Brassfield, CEO of Neolife. Neolife is a nutrition company that manufactures and sells superior quality whole food nutrition products with an added commitment to end the trend of poor wellness and poverty. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited to be here with you. All right. So with every podcast and with every guest that we have on the show, we always have to ask the question, what makes the perfect boba drink? Oh, wow. I feel honored that you asked me this and I'm glad you didn't decide not to because I know you're hesitant. I only started drinking boba like this last year or so, Um, (laughs) but I have an answer. It's all about the balls. (laughs) They have to be the right like chewiness. Okay. And cooked all the way through, but not mushy. So so you're saying that you kind of like it firm, but not too firm. Firm, but not too firm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then that's it? It's just the balls? It's the balls. And then, I mean, the tea is the tea's tea. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> fair. That is fair. So it looks like it has to have, it has to be the balls, the pearls, the bubbles. It has to be the perfect consistency to make it the perfect boba drink. Yeah, you're really complicating this. I mean, it's just about the chewy balls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. To each their own. <laughs> to start with the boba drink that we got today we went to n7 draft tea and coffee monica and i probably got the same drinks as as always but n7 is a little special it's a little different um and the reason why is because it is the first nitrogen infused beverage spot here in the bay area so what exactly does that mean Basically, nitrogen gets infused with the tea and or coffee, which produces this rich, silky texture and a thick and creamy foam head. This process also helps reduce the bitterness that you can typically find in most teas and coffees. And the boba fact for this episode is we received a lot of inquiries about boba versus bubble. Which one is the correct term? Do they mean the same thing? And this is kind of what we found out. Typically, in the East Coast of the United States, many people, not all, will refer to the tapioca balls as bubble tea, whereas many people in the Western side of the United States tend to refer to it as boba. However, if you want to get technical here, according to a Spoon University article called 15 Things You Should Know About Bubble Tea by Marissa Orozco, The bubble in bubble tea does not actually refer to the tapioca balls. Instead, it refers to the foamy bubbles that foam at the top of the drink when shaken. So let's get into the tea rating or the boba review, actually. Kendra, let's start with you. What drink did you get? Ooh, I got the rose milk tea with bobas. What did you get? I got my standard matcha latte, half sweet, and... Kathleen, what did you get? Uh, same thing. I got my taro milk tea with uh, boba and 50% sweet, which is typically much more percentage, higher higher sugar content than I normally do. But I wanted to, you know, go hard here. <laughs> I forgot to add my sweetness. I got zero. 
<laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat, Kendra, you do you. Since you are our guest, let's start with the tea rating for you. What would you rate that out of 10, um, 10 being the highest as far mm-hmm. as for their tea? And this is the tea, not the balls. Correct. This is just oh, the tea. The tea is a 10. I, I think it's great. So typically for your tea, do you like it more like on the tea side or do you like it a little bit more, I guess, kind of creamy because it's mixed in with the milk? Mm, good question. I like it to be robust. Like you have to taste the tea and then I love it to be super creamy. And this one is, I think this rose milk tea is super creamy. Okay. And your boba writing. Ooh, on the boba, I'm going to have to go eight. The balls are a little bit hard in the very center. I think it needed a couple mm. more minutes. Yeah. Okay. And your overall drink rating. I'm going to go nine out of 10. It's pretty good. Ooh, that's very high. Okay. Kathleen, what about you? Your tea rating? I don't think my, my drink actually has any tea. I don't taste that that tea you know, like usually they mix it with like black tea or uh-huh. like a jasmine or green tea, but I don't taste any of that. I don't know if there really is no tea or if it's that nitro infused thing where they took out that bitterness of the tea. But I don't really taste any tea. It actually tastes like, um, but it doesn't, uh, it, it tastes like powder off to me. Like there's no, um, there's no taro chunks. It doesn't taste like normal taro. Oh no. So, yeah, but it's still good. Like, out of all the powdered tarot drinks, this is actually pretty good. So I would give this a 7 out of 10. And your boba rating? For the boba, which I got this time, it's not bad. It's, um, I agree with Kendra. I like it to be a little bit more chewy. It's mm-hmm. a little too firm for me. And, but the, kind of like the, the chewiness, yeah, the chewiness is okay. So kind of same thing. I would give it an 8 out of 10 for an overall of 8 out of 10 drink rating. Okay. Considering that, you know, I because we've done this, you know, a couple of times, I know you you love the tarot chunks. And considering that this drink does not have tarot chunks, that's a pretty high rating. Yeah, like if they really do use tarot powder, which I can't tell, it must be a different brand than other milk tea spots. Because it has a distinct flavor that I've never had with a tarot drink. Mm. Like, it's a little floral, actually. It's like a floral tarot. So maybe there is jasmine. I'm not sure. <laughs> Some of my rose spilled into yours. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the trick, the trickery. Before we end this segment, uh, with me, I got standard matcha. And I will say the matcha is very present. Um, but it's not super bitter. Um, I think they did a really good job of mixing in, you know, the milk with the good amount of matcha. So tea rating wise, I would give it like an eight. Could be a little bit more creamier for me, um, but it's not bad. And then the boba rating, I'm going to have to agree with you guys an eight out of 10, just because like you guys have been saying, the center is a little bit too firm for me. It could be a little chewier. But I'm not hating on the firmness of the balls in 8 out of 10. And you do oh, like firm balls. <laughs> I don't know if I want to agree or disagree on this podcast. No, you've uh, mentioned it before in our I mean, in our other episodes yes. that you like your balls firm. I do, I do, <laughs> I do like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm gonna say it. I do like my balls firm, <laughs> but 
it's it can't be too firm like there has to be the chewy like texture there still this is gonna haunt me um and then as far as overall drink rating i would give this an eight out of ten not too bad for n7 yeah not bad at all as we introduced earlier kendra is the ceo of neolife uh, growing up had you always envisioned yourself being in a leadership role Hmm, great question. I don't think I've ever been asked this before. And if I think about it, um, I think I always grew up in a really entrepreneurial household, but never necessarily thought of myself as wanting to be in a leadership role because I was like the most shy person you can imagine. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to hide under my mom's dress even when I was like nine years old. I'd crawl under it at parties. It's, <laughs> it's so it's so funny because I think because we know you, we mm-hmm. see you as, you know, you're, I mean, you, like a little bit more extroverted with us, but I can also see you as being more introverted and shy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a, an extrovert by choice. Yeah, like me. But <laughs> yeah. Introvert, like by nature. Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably all three of us. Um, can you tell us how did you get started with Neolife? Yeah, um, well, it is a, a family company. So my dad started it. And I guess growing up, I always took our nutrition supplements and benefited from them. And uh, I never actually thought I wanted to be involved, though, from like a career perspective. Um, I wanted to be the next Warren Buffett, but with hair. (laughs) Better looking. Um, And I was super interested and still am in investing um, and just that whole Wall Street world. But it was it wasn't until I think my uh, junior year of college, my dad s- said, like, you know what? My passion has always been in Neolife because of the impact it can make on other people. And so he invited me to go on kind of a world tour with him just to get to see kind of the heart and soul of what the company was about. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I I think in like with any career, you can still have investing on the side. But what I kind of weighed was I don't see myself ever having the kind of like life transforming impact that helping people through like good nutrition can have if I was were in the investing world. And so, yeah, that's how I, I got involved. And you transitioned, you know, to being CEO in 2016. Did you feel any pressure taking on this new role? Oh, my goodness. So much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was funny. I was, ha- I was sitting down with my dad and at the time he was the CEO of the company and mm-hmm. he was about to turn, um, it, or I'm not going to do the math on the show, <laughs> but he was in his late seventies. He was nearing 80 and uh, I was just turned 30. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, no, I'm sorry. I just turned 27. And he told me, I'd like you to be the CEO. I think you're ready. Um, you've been shadowing me this whole time. And I was like, no, 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 I am not ready for this. <laughs> and he was like, it doesn't matter. He was like, when I said, I'm too young. And he was like, well, you're 27. Yeah, you're too young. But by the time I'm 80, you're still going to be too young. <laughs> and hey, so he was like, you just need to p- pull up your big girl panties and do this is the exact words he told me. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, Kendra, you didn't start off as CEO. You actually were in a a different role um, at Neolife before you transitioned, correct? Yeah, I had several roles before that um, from like, well, I built a uh, 
distributor business. So I went out and sold our products. That was like the first thing I had to do to really get to know the heart and soul of our company because that's our business partners. Um, and then I was a market research analyst. So getting to know like the competitive landscape that was out there, um, and then went into marketing and yeah, had several different roles. Okay. And so basically you were with the company for a good, how many years would you say before you transitioned into CEO? Um, how many years have been there now? I think six years. Okay. That's a long Not time. That long. Oh, yeah, I didn't I, feel like it was that long. <laughs> I, well, I feel like, you know, in, in any, you know, business, whether you're like in the tech industry, business industry, you know, it seems like anything above one or two years is like dinosaur years. <laughs> but then it goes by so fast. Um, so what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you became CEO? And, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face now? Hmm. Let's see. I think in the beginning, one of the biggest challenges was just getting outside of my own head. Um, I think it, it was overwhelming in the beginning to know like there was all this responsibility on my shoulders. Um, and at the same time, my dad was going through his own challenges internally because he was trying to step back from a company that he'd been working at for mm -hmm. like so many for decades now. Um, and so he was less available. Whereas before I'd call him every day, we run ideas off of each other. And just, uh, I knew I had to give him the space to pull back um, and kind of find his own balance in a semi-retirement um, and then still have him as a mentor, but we worked it out. And uh, I think it's been amazing. The, the single biggest reason I believe we've been able to, or I myself have been able to have success is because of the team that is I've surrounded myself with. Like if it weren't for such capable people and passionate people around me, I would not have been able to do this job for a single day, let alone the last few years. Did you have a particular um, time during during the company or any projects that made you kind of have like that light bulb moment where you realize like, wow, I actually have a really amazing team and a, a, a phenomenal um, um, company that, was there any particular moment or was it a combination of multiple moments? I think right off the bat, I realized just how special our culture was because I would hear other people talk about um, how women are like not seen as equals in the workplace or when you're younger, you're treated differently. And it was just a completely different dynamic in our company. I mean, from from day one, everybody was just so welcoming and respectful and not necessarily in the way that they're like, oh, your father owns the company, you're going to be my boss. It wasn't like that at all. But it was more so like, if I see that you're working as hard as I am, then I'm going to respect you. Mm -hmm. You know, just talking about your dad, um, he has, like you mentioned, just decades of business and entrepreneurial experience. You know, what was the most important thing he taught you in life and in business? Oh, that's really hard to narrow it down to just one. <laughs> you can name a few. <laughs> um, I think number one, put people first, like people over profits, because uh, you're nothing without your team at the end of the day. And uh, number two would be compounding, just the value of compounding, that if you think about your life over this entire span, if you just put in a little bit more work every day than the average person, at the end of your life, you're going to be so far ahead. If you just do like one extra hour a day or 
keep your money in the bank and let it compound longer than others, you're going to end up so much better in the end. I like that. I feel like my mom tells me the same thing and I listen and I don't sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So our next question, since you actually did uh, mention uh, or touched on it a little bit earlier, um, we all know that, or most of us know that, um, you know, the, there is a, a, a pay gap between men and women. Um, the most recent U.S. Census Bureau uh, back in 2020, uh, the most updated data data noted that women receive 83 cents for every dollar a man makes. Although the wage gap has decreased for uh, workers ages 25 to 34 um, to 93 cents, as CEO, how do you decrease or close the gap of pay disparity among male and female employees? Great question. I don't think as CEO, like I close the gap. I think it's really a team effort. Um, but I can say like what I've noticed uh, in in being in a leadership role is that nine times out of 10, if you look at who's asking for raises, it's men. Mm-hmm. And not because they're any more capable than a woman doing a similar job. It's just, it's it's maybe part of our culture just ingrained in us that men feel bold enough to ask. And so I think it it's up to leaders to really encourage the women that are in their organizations and create a safe space for them to know, like, you can ask for a raise because we want you to be paid fairly. Um, and then at the same time, I think from a, a employer perspective, we really have to treat um, this subject with grace and not assume that like there's all these men out to get us as women, because a lot of times they like people don't even realize that it's happening in the organization. It's not like they're against women. It's that it it's happened and they didn't realize it was happening. And once you bring it to their attention, a lot of times great men will partner with women who want to make a change. And if it doesn't happen when you bring it up with grace, then that's the time to, to be a little bolder and, and, and point it out in a, a less nice way. Yeah, and I think I think that's a great way to put it because even even for uh for women who are looking for jobs, I've uh I've been I've been told and also I've read that men will apply for positions they're not qualified for and women will look for positions they're qualified for. And I don't know if how true that is with um I'm not in the tech world. Um you know, I'm in more in the medical healthcare field. Um so I do wonder if that's kind of the similar mindset that it's like, I'm not qualified, so I'm not going to apply. Whereas, you know, some men are like, I don't qualify, but I'm going to apply anyway. Because I am in the tech industry and I'm not saying that, you know, I know it all, but from what I've seen in regards to like, you know, my female colleagues and myself, um, I will say, you know, Ka- Kathleen, what you were saying, a lot of my friends who are women, you know, I would give them like a job posting, for example, and they would tell me, oh, I don't think I'm going to apply for it because I don't have enough experience. But at the same time, my mentality is I'm just going to apply anyways. You know, what's the worst that can happen? If anything, they can tell me no. But the best thing that could happen is to have a conversation. But you know, I, I see it in the tech industry as well. Yeah, that's so true. It is different among different industries. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's great that we're having this kind of conversation because if more and more women hear 
other people saying this, like, oh, you know, sometimes we have the imposter syndrome too, and we don't feel like we are qualified for this position, but we're just going to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And that's what the men are doing. Then more and more women are going to get step up and just be like, hey, you know, maybe I am ready for this. Yeah, I know me. I know me personally. I don't know if I would ever ask for a raise. Luckily, I'm in a union where we everyone gets the same pay pending on year and um, pending on like your seniority. And also we just get a pay increase every every year uh, thanks to the union. But yeah, I personally, I don't think I would have the the cojones to ask for a raise. (laughs) Yeah. And there are so many women that are in the same position as you. And so then I think it's up to the people in leadership to ask for the raise for you. Like when Mm -hmm. we do, I just did one today, we're doing our like executive compensation review. And when we see those discrepancies, like leaders need to step up and say, wait a second, like she's not getting paid what she's worth. The next question we had, you know, uh, we your is more about um, your your identity and and again being an Asian American woman. Uh, you know, your father is Caucasian and your mother is half Korean Chinese. Was there ever a time, or have you ever struggled with your identity growing up, or even now? Let's see. Well, when I was younger, I do remember like watching TV and thinking there's nobody that looks like me. As I grew up, I I didn't really think about it too much besides that. Um, And it wasn't until recently, uh, just being around more people, they're having these discussions that I really did reflect on it. And this might be controversial, but I almost (laughs) have the the mindset of that if you think about it in a sense that you feel like you're being oppressed, that it can actually have a negative effect. Mm -hmm versus thinking of it as an advantage because you're you are different than the norm of the people that you're around and you have a special perspective to bring to the table I think you're right I think it's kind of just it's kind of like that you know you think positively and you and you kind of speak out of what you want and you know you're putting it out into the world and it's kind of similar mindset is you're thinking about it in a more positive sense versus the negative um, the negative aspect of it and not to say that you're completely ignoring it um, but it's more of exactly like you said taking advantage of the fact that you're different yeah definitely and not ignoring it at all but more embracing it as mm-hmm. a yeah uh, something that's special and a strength mm-hmm. I, I think I think the term embracing it is really in- encompassing of you know how you feel about it so yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> there really how, isn't. How do you two feel about it? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I am, uh, as some of you all know, I'm half Filipino, half Chinese. And I think for me, uh, I I did struggle a little bit with my identity when I was younger. Um, I mentioned this before uh, last episode. I didn't like my last name. Um, you know, it was different. And I was one of maybe three Asian kids in my um, in my elementary school. So I didn't even know that I had a different ethnicity or I was different from anyone anyone else until I was um, essentially bullied um, in, in grade school. So I remember, um, so I, at first I didn't understand why I was being bullied until like she mentioned like the, you know, the, the popular girls, whatever, fifth grade, sixth grade popular girls mentioned um, my ethnicity. And I was just like, oh, am I not, am I not the same as you guys? So I think 
that was that was a struggle for me. Um, but it wasn't really until like middle school where I similar with Kendra, where I was like, you know what, I don't care that I'm different. Um, it helped that I also went to a primarily Asian um, high school and middle school. So it I embraced my identity at that time. So I did struggle, but it wasn't until like, but I was fine. I felt fully at peace with my um, with my ethnicity around middle school, high school, and really loved actually my my last name after um, around college because I don't know anyone else who has my last name, so I love it. Well, also it sounds like robot, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, you're like an advanced artificial intelligence being. Mm-hmm. Monica, mm-hmm. oh, am I supposed to go? Okay. Um, I feel like I never really thought about it growing up like oh I'm Asian um I just I mean I I feel stupid for saying this but you know when you're a kid it's kind of like oh I didn't see color you know I just thought everyone was the same essentially but I I don't think it was until maybe about five or six years ago when you know I was well actually I, I and I thought about it you know and I'm thinking back to like when, you know, my teens and in my 20s and stuff, what I struggled with was, you know, am I Asian enough? Am I American enough? Because, you know, during high school, you know, everyone had a sandwich for lunch and I brought leftovers that, you know, whatever my mom cooked and it's Chinese food. So everyone, like, they made fun of me. They're like, well, what is that? Oh, it smells weird and stuff like that. And I try to, I guess, like, you know, suppress it or suppress any Chinese thing about me. Um, and then now I regret it because, you know, that's what, that's a part of who I am and I need to embrace it. And, you know, now I wish that I spoke the language more fluently than what I know now. Um and I think that's why it's so important to me to have Asian representation and for people or for the next generation to see it on screen or see it anywhere or, you know, have these conversations like we're having right now, because there's just not enough of it, especially when we were growing up. Um, and now I do kind of think about, oh, am I Chinese enough? Am I American enough? But now it's kind of like, I just embrace both of them. You know, I'm trying to understand and learn more about my Chinese culture um, as best as I can. um, So I can pass it down to my kids and the next generation. That's awesome. Yeah. I know I need to get in touch with my Chinese side, but I just, my whole family is very (laughs) Filipino. (laughs) Just come to my house, Kathleen. Just come to my house. (laughs) And there's this question. Next question is about um, women CEOs and also Asian American CEOs. So, According to Zipia.com uh, data that they accumulated, 31.5% of all CEOs are women, while 68.5% are men. In addition, the most common ethnicity of CEOs are white at 81.1%, followed by Hispanics or Latino at 7%, Asian at 6.8%, and Black or African Americans at 3.2%. What does it mean to you to not only be a woman in the industry, but Asian American as well? I think I think about it very similarly um, to how I responded when you asked me the question of how do 
you see being like an Asian American, Asian Mm -hmm. woman, um, where I think it's such an advantage because people are, don't know what to expect. And there's just like a clean slate there that you can, I guess you can be whatever you want and show them that women can be effective CEOs and we can be effective Asian CEOs if you want to brand it that way too. Um, But yeah, I think we're in a position where we can really just pave the way for other females and other Asian American females to take on leadership roles and make sure that we're advocating for other women who are coming alongside us, who are in our teams, who are in our communities and just give them hope that, yeah, they can get there too. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually create more opportunities to to encourage them because sometimes people don't realize that that would be possible for them and actually in our company we have several um, executive females who are Asian um, and oh, that's awesome yeah, yeah around the world many of our countries are run by by females and several even here in the U.S. are Asian Americans oh I love that that's awesome that's, yeah um, and you did mentioned earlier that you know it is um the industry that you're in is female dominated correct yeah and direct selling industry is is primarily females i think there's a lot of still male leadership in um the companies but it is uh, definitely female dominated i think even in nutrition we recognize Mm -hmm. that women are tend to be the like gateway into the household because women are just naturally more nurturing. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are going to go buy the the supplements for their family to take um, and their spouses to take. Oh, wow. Then my dad's an, my dad is an anomaly because he's the <laughs> one buying the supplements for my mom. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but I guess your dad too, right? Like he was, he's very much into it. And I mean, he started the, com- um, he started the company. Yeah. I mean, he had such a, a personal experience with it. Um, just really helping his struggle with asthma and allergies as a young boy. And so immediately he was super passionate mm-hmm. about what good nutrition can do for your body. Piggybacking onto your answer, um, my next question to you is, um, since you did mention that you know there are a good amount of female and Asian women CEOs, uh, what factors do you believe impact a woman's ability to lead others? Really looked into, I read a lot of books about like kind of our neurobiology. And I love this one uh, by a doctor named, uh, Shanti Feldhan and she talks about the differences that they've now found between a man and a woman's brain and just the way that our right and left side of our brain are actually interconnected is completely different when you look at it um, in scans and they've done like autopsies of male and female brains and they found that there's more connections between the two sides for women and Mm -hmm. so I love the analogy that she gives where she talks about it like uh, because women have better connections on the two sides, you can think of it like when you're browsing the internet on your computer and women have like several different tabs and windows open at the same time. And when they're making decisions, they can actually tap into all of their other life experiences really easily. And so you can you can uh, kind of bridge the gap between personal and business Um, like home life, work life, and learn from all of those and bring it into your decision making. Mm -hmm. Whereas she she compared the way that men think is very much like you have one window open. And then when you're moving on to the next subject, you close that window and you open a new one. 
And so I think both of them have like big advantages because mm-hmm. women can bring all those experiences in. Men tend to be better at just totally focusing in on one, the, the task that's at hand and, and powering through. Um, and of course, there's nuances to all of it. But yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. What was that book called again, Kendra? Um, I think I'd like to post it. We'd like to post it onto the site so everyone knows what book that is. Yes. I think the specific one is called For Women Only. And so Dr. Shanti Feldhan. The next question would be, you know, what are the benefits to having women in leadership? The same benefits that you get from having diversity, you get from having women in leadership. Um, When you have just one type of person, I think your thoughts just go into silo mode when you're all the same. And having a diverse perspective, diverse points of views um, is is just going to benefit everyone. And It makes me think of um, when I first started working in the company and we were in a meeting and the, they're, they're old guys and I'm sitting around the table (laughs) and I was there and they're like, okay, we want to attract women. What do women want? And they start answering the question amongst themselves. I was like, do you guys know what women want? Cause there's not no other women in this room except me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So having, having voices for every people group is so beneficial. So what do you think is the most significant barrier to female leadership? I think the most significant barrier is the ones that we think we can't break through. Because if if there are if there's that proverbial glass ceiling, like if you're in a company and you see a glass ceiling, like I think that's the worst analogy ever. Because imagine people are like, oh, you should break through that glass ceiling. Like if if you break through a glass ceiling, you're going to get cut. <laughs> like that sounds horrible, right? And I think if you see a glass ceiling in the organization you're in, then you might be in the wrong building. Like, <laughs> we want to be parts of organiza- a part of organizations that really want to uplift women. And I think in the long run, those organizations are going to come out ahead every time. And so it's so important as women, as leaders, we create those places for women to really rise up into leadership positions and for the organizations that are led by people who are living under a rock or just aren't forward thinking uh, let's leave there because we don't want to contribute to what they have to offer we don't want to get cut yeah how did you navigate power structures early in your career versus later in your career when you had you know more of a formal leadership role Again, this is one of those areas, like, I never really thought of it as these, like, power dynamics. I always Mm -hmm. came into it thinking, if I show up and I do my best work, people will respect me. And um, I know that is absolutely a statement of privilege that not everyone's in an organization where you can do that. Um, But that's always been my, I think that growing up, my dad, he was someone who always saw women as having so much potential. He'll even go as far as to say more potential than men. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, But I remember when I was maybe 15 years old and I asked, I was like, do you think a woman could could actually be president? And he was like, are you kidding me? Did you just ask me that? Of course they could be president. They'd do a better job than the guy. (laughs) I like your dad already. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So how do you push for systemic change around ideas that are new or not that popular have you guys ever heard of the five monkeys experiment i've heard of it but i don't know much of it i have not enlightened us okay so there's this these researchers they 
um, wanted to see like the behavior of monkeys. So they got five monkeys and they put them in a room. And in the middle of the room, there was this ladder with bananas at the top of it. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was kind of rude. Every time a monkey would try to climb up the ladder to get to the bananas, they would spray them, spray them all with water. And so this happened a few times. And eventually, like, the mo a monkey would try to go up. And then all the other monkeys would pull them down and beat them up. So nobody could ever try. And the interesting part of this experiment is that what they would do is one by one, they would switch out one of the original monkeys for a new one who had never seen the water before. And they weren't spraying anymore. But every time the new monkey would try to go up the ladder, the other monkeys would beat them up and pull them back down. And then eventually they replaced all the original monkeys with new monkeys who had never, ever seen or heard or knew anything about the water spraying. Yet they still never let any of them climb up that ladder. Oh, wow. And so I, I say this because I think it's a, an analogy to what we see happening a lot of times in our world today is that people do things and we don't always know why we're doing them. And so rather than, I, th I think the way to create systemic change is to look at the situation with grace, realizing like most people are trying to do the best they can. They're not trying to be evil people. They're good. But sometimes we just have to, or I think always we have to be those culture changers that speak up mm -hmm. out of yep. love and mm -hmm. just show people like, you know what, this, this isn't the way it should be. Like, why are you actually behaving this way? Cause this needs to change. I, I totally agree. And this, this reminds me of, um, you know, actually Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she, you know, she, um, she fought for, uh, a caregiver who was a man and she basically asked the judges like why you know things have changed like you know 20 years ago I couldn't be standing up here with you today and you're basically upholding things that are laws or whatever that no longer is relevant to the time now and I think and it's up to individual people to actually go against the grain and be like you're right like I, I need because if I don't change anything about it, it's going to stay the same. Yeah, I love her. R RBG. RBG. Yep. RIP. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to the next generation of female leaders? Don't give up. You can be and do anything you want to in life um, and make sure that along the way you are bringing people with you, that you're lifting up the people around you. Um, I guess so last question for you um, in this section, how do you balance your career, personal life and passions? Is that I, even such a thing? <laughs> I know. I know. Actually, the, it's taken me a while to get to a place where I feel a sense of balance. Um, and it wasn't until I realized like, unless we're bringing our best selves to work, we're not doing a service to our people. Like if we're coming into work exhausted as leaders, our people are going to feel that from us. And we're not going to have the capacity or the space to be the kind of like leaders and listeners and encouragers that we need to be. Um, and so for me, finding balance has been like, okay, like you need to make space for fun, <laughs> like make space to go out to dinner with your friends or go snowboarding. I'm really excited to go snowboarding with you guys. <laughs> Um, same here yeah and my my outlet I love to play like nine holes of golf um towards the end of the day especially in the summer when it's still light outside mm -hmm. very cool so basically you're a normal human being like everyone else yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
before we end this episode and with every guest that we have, we always want to ask some fun questions to kind of keep things light and to really just get to know you. Um, granted, Kathleen and myself, we know you, um, but just for everyone else out there to get to know who you are, um, we have some questions for you. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Neolife tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plug, guys. That's a plug. Um, and I guess speaking of Neolife products, what is your favorite product? Hmm. It have to be a product called Phyto Defense. And it's this packet of six pills and it's six servings of fruits and vegetables. It is magic. I haven't been sick in forever. Oh, oh that's that's I need some. I yeah, I was gonna say some. that's the one that you gave me. <laughs> yeah. And that it's a lot of pills, guys, but it does make you feel good after you take them. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you had upbeat too. I did performed way better. Right. I you did. Tired. I did. So Kathleen, you need to get some so you can test these out. Final defense and upbeat. Oh yeah. Yes. Is upbeat uh also a pill or um powder? It's a powder nitric oxide supplement and mm-hmm. it will help you improve your performance from the boardroom to the bedroom. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, speaking of exercises, um, I read that you're also a certified personal trainer. So what is the one exercise everyone should do? Weight training, hands down. If ever, if anyone wants to lose weight, it's so much easier to like keep a slim physique if you're doing weight training because muscle burns so much more fat. What would be the perfect day for you, Kendra? And it's starting from the moment you wake up and what time you wake up and to the time you sleep. Ooh, I would say I wake up in the morning. I love to listen to sermons in the morning. And then um, I get a ton of emails done right off the bat, handle them once. Ohio, only handle it once. I live by that. (laughs) Um, And then have meetings with uh, our field leaders, people who are our business partners selling Neolife products, and then have enough time probably around 6 p.m. to hit the golf course with some friends and play nine holes and then have a meal together. Wait, wait, wait. So that's the, it sound, that sounds like the perfect work day. What about like the perfect day when you have a day off? I love working. <laughs> <laughs> Her perfect day would consist of work. <laughs> yeah, the perfect day is a combination of work and fun. Spoken like a true CEO. And what would be the best, uh, what would be the meal that night? Ooh, it has to be ribeye steak and leafy green vegetables and mm. ice cream at the end. Mm. Now Clutch. we know to get ice cream when we have our nights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and our last question, Kendra, uh, are there any upcoming adventures or activities you are excited for outside of work? I think I might have already mentioned this, but I am so excited to go snowboarding with you girls. It's going to be so much fun, and I had to miss the last one. So really looking forward to it. And Kat, I hear you are quite the beast on the board. Uh, Kim is more, um, but I, uh, but yes, I am not a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can vouch that Kat is a very good snowboarder yeah you and, don't have to be that humble <laughs> and then kendra we've heard that you are pretty badass i know we heard yourself. that too going down the black mountains 
Mountains are white. What? She meant black diamond. Oh, black diamonds. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Black diamonds, guys. Sorry. I'd rather let my actual snowboarding speak for itself. All right, we're ready. <laughs> ready. Yeah, if you take me to a black diamond with moguls, I will leave you guys and go somewhere else because there's no way. <laughs> I'm staying one that- way down. <laughs> I will find a different way to get there because <laughs> get down because moguls. One one round of moguls and I am wiped out. I will be on the blues and the greens. <laughs> That's where you can find me. <laughs> thank you all for taking the time to listen to this episode of Boba Talk. A big thank you to Kendra for taking the time to stop by and chat with us. Make sure to check out Neolife at www.shopneolife.com. If you have any questions, comments, opinions about this episode or in general, feel free to tweet us at Kathleen Robot and Baymon Bon. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have some great episodes coming up, and we'll catch you all soon. Bye. Bye. Adios.